Hello, ladies, and welcome back to the Candles and Shadows podcast. I am your host, Ada, and I am so excited to welcome you back for episode four. Yeah, sometimes I can't believe it. I started this podcasting journey just a couple of weeks ago, actually, and yeah, I'm very impressed with how consistent I've been. I've been doing my best to put together episodes on a consistent basis, which isn't always easy with a 14-month-old baby boy (laughs) that keeps me very busy and very tired, (laughs) but it's fun. I love it, and I love connecting with the listeners out there, so thank you so much for continuing to support my podcast by listening, by downloading. I really appreciate it. And I am very excited about today's topic. I know I'm always very excited (laughs) about every topic, but this one is very personal to me as, you know, I am someone who is in this position. So The topic being interracial and intercultural marriage as a Black woman. Yeah, so being a Black woman, being in an interracial and intercultural marriage, I have firsthand experience on what this is like. What is it like? And I'm going to be addressing some points here that I have, these are things that people have asked me. And these are things that have come up in conversation with people, with family members, friends. And so, and and I think also these are also points that, you know, when I've listened to other podcasters or other YouTubers who have sort of discussed this topic, there's some points that they may have brought up that um that I would like to address as well. And there's even points that they may not have brought up that I feel need to be addressed. And so I will be doing that in this episode. So here goes. So, so I am a, as, as if you're a listener of my podcast, (laughs) you already know that I am African-American or more specifically Nigerian American, and I am married to a German man. We met online and we had a long distance relationship before I then moved from New York City to Germany, where I currently live now with him and my son. And I get a lot of questions from people about, I mean, not only the how and why as to (laughs) the logistics of, you know, New York City, you know, leaving such a thriving and busy city like New York to come to the countryside of Germany somewhere in the quiet rolling hills of the country life. Like that within itself is a big enough sort of change. But then of course, there's the intricacies of the relationship between myself and my my husband. And so, so let me just kind of start from the beginning and just kind of paint a picture of what I had originally envisioned my married life to be when I was a single woman. And you might be surprised to hear that I never had, although I, I 
you know, was raised very much with the Nigerian culture and Nigerian ideals, aspirations, whether it's culturally or professionally. When it came to my personal life in terms of dating and attraction, who I was attracted to, I never really had any restrictions on who I perceived to be attractive, nor did I have any restrictions on who I would have considered for marriage. And perhaps that's because of two things. For one, I, my parents were never that, they, they made it clear that they would have liked a Nigerian son-in-law, that it wouldn't have been bad to have one. But at the same time, they were never the kind of parents to like hammer it on your head and to tell you that if you don't come home with a Nigerian, we're not going to honor your marriage. We're not going to bless your marriage. We're not going to accept him. We will not accept anyone that's not a Nigerian. Like I am very fortunate in that my parents were not like that. They are not that way. They are very open and flexible. And so, of course, like I said, we always knew what they would have preferred, but their preference never got in the way of us being able to explore individual partners of our own choice. And then the second reason I would say has to do with the fact that I grew up in an environment that was not very diverse. I did not live around a lot of people of color. Uh, particularly Black people, although we did have many Nigerian extended family and friends that we were in contact with that lived in my sort of larger area growing up, they didn't necessarily live in the same towns as us. Um, And as a result, I never had close interaction with these families or with their children. I really only saw these families like when we would go visit their homes or at parties, or at weddings, birthday parties, baptisms, etc. Like that's where it was always like in a social environment where I would be surrounded by Nigerians, surrounded by lots and lots of Black people, right? But um, outside of that, like when we, when I would go home, when I would be in my you know neighborhood, like my neighborhood and my town, even my the schools I went to, because I went to Catholic schools, were predominantly white maybe some Asian, maybe some Indian and Korean or Chinese, but majority was white. And so that may have played a role in the way that I sort of saw the world and that I didn't necessarily uh, have any specific restrictions on who I could connect with or who I could eventually marry because I found myself in a position where I had been socialized in environments where I had basically learned to get along with people who didn't look like me. I knew how to talk to people who didn't look like me. I knew how to socialize with people who didn't look like me. And that made it such that having any sort of limitations on who I could potentially connect with romantically, it just made absolutely no sense to me as to why I would suddenly then sort of exclude entire groups of people simply because they didn't happen to share the same cultural background with me when in fact, even if we didn't have the same cultural background, they did share the same socialized 
background that I had within the within the educational environment, within sports. I was at, I was an active basketball player, for example. You know, like it was a whole other part of my life that had nothing to do with being Nigerian, in which I had become very well very well versed in how to interact with people who didn't look like me in those spaces. And so for me, it just always made sense to be in an, an, a quote unquote equal opportunity dater. So with that being said, for me, at least my married life was never one in which I thought about, Oh, I'm going to meet this Nigerian guy and we're going to get married and we're going to have little Nigerian babies. And, <laughs> you know, that was never like my, let's say that was never my baseline. That was never like, you know, for me, like what I, what, what I would have considered to be the ultimate ideal. Right. But at the same time, I never excluded it. I dated Nigerian guys. I, as I said, being an equal opportunity dater, I dated everyone. I dated all backgrounds. I dated African-American, Nigerian, Middle Eastern, Indian, Korean. I mean, I went on dates with men of all. <laughs> and when I say all, I mean all backgrounds. Because for me, I recognize that from a very young age, which again, thank goodness for, you know, I always love having conversations with older, wiser people because they they impart so much wisdom and that you they just unlock so many things and give you the secrets to life. I had heard from much older and wiser people around me a long time ago that men are men. <laughs> Okay. Men are men. Okay. So this whole thing about, oh, you know, black men are this and, you know, Hispanic men are that and white men are this. Men are men. You hear me, ladies? Okay. <laughs> so please, when you're out there dating, don't have this thing in your mind that this type of men are this way and this type of men. There are good men in every group. There are bad men in every group. There are abusers in every group. There are men who will be excellent husbands, great caretakers, family oriented in every single group. And there are deadbeats in every single group. Okay. Now I will say this in my experience, there, there are certain patterns, okay? I want to be very careful here because I don't want this to be misconstrued as me meaning that you're just going to like look at someone and then you're just going to like lump them into a box or lump them into a category, okay? No, that's not what I'm trying to do here. There are certain patterns over time that you will see reoccurring in certain groups, okay? Did I see those patterns among African men and, you know, or, or among Nigerian men, Ghanaian men, white men, American men, European men, um, you know, Asian men, Indian men? Yes. Okay. There's certain patterns that begin to emerge to an extent. Okay. Some of those patterns are good. Some of those patterns are bad. Okay. But with each person, you have to give them the chance to demonstrate to some extent to what degree 
those patterns play a role in their particular life. For, for some men, it's a huge role. For other men, it's no role at all, right? And so it's that, So I, I say that with the emphasis that you should still give everybody a chance and try not to lock someone up in a stereotype and say they are like this and therefore I'm not going to have anything to do with this entire group of people. No, I think that's wrong. And so... Um, so yeah, I was out there. I was dating everyone of every background that I could find. And ultimately, funny enough, the man that I ended up clicking with was a <laughs> a German man that at the time when we met, he was living in Germany, of course. And I was living in New York and we connected online. And what was so interesting was that him and I we couldn't be more different culturally in terms of like, it's not like, okay, he's a white American where it's like, okay, he might be white, but he's at least American and I'm American too. And at least we have that like shared experience, right. Of what it's like to be an American with him. It was like, we had zero, <laughs> like in terms of like, if you want to talk about cult cultural overlap, um, that was absolutely zero for, for both of us. However, I would say that, in terms of if we, if we if we kind of look at it from a more macro level from a larger like look look at it like from a from a higher perspective he and i shared a lot of the same values okay so he was family oriented i was family oriented he you know he's very close to his family i'm i'm close to my family he believes in you know being honest and being truthful he has really good morals. He is a very straightforward person, doesn't bullshit, doesn't beat around the bush. So am I. Uh, he's open-minded. He didn't care about race. He just wanted to find someone to connect to. And I was in the same headspace. We wanted the same things. And so even though we were on two completely separate continents, spoke different languages. I mean, English is his second language. English is my first language. And even when we met, interestingly enough, he couldn't really even speak English all that good, you know, but still we were able, it's interesting how that works, right? And that the energy that you, you know, the chemistry that you have with someone sort of oftentimes can transcend the, some of the lost vocabulary or lost grammar or words that are that the person may have difficulty communicating because a lot of what bonded us wasn't so much what was said, but what was expressed and what was done with one another, spending time together, just wanting to be with one another, making the effort to be together. That's what bonded us. It wasn't so much, you know, I wasn't worried about whether or not I, you know, his grammar or his vocabulary was correct. He was still able to express himself enough to the point where I could understand wh what he was trying to say. And, and he understood me as well. And so, yeah, that was diff very different, very, very different cultures. He's from a very small village in Germany. So he's a, he's kind of what you would say, if we're looking at it from the American context, he's like the equivalent of what it would be like to be with a, a man that's from a farm in, in Iowa <laughs> or Nebraska. <laughs> okay. Like it's that rural and it's that sort of, um, you know, someone who's very, ha you know, has that small town, small village sort of 
mentality, very simple, very simple life, not an extravagant person at all. And that really appealed to me because that was what I, that's for me personally, that's what I was looking for in a man. I wanted a man that was simple, a man that was family oriented, a man that basically wanted the same things that I wanted. And so that's what bonded the both of us when we met online. As far as, you know, opinions, people ask me this all the time. Like, what were people's, what was his family's opinion of you? Because I've heard people say this, like, oh, this is why I don't want to date a man that's of a different culture, of a different race, because I'm afraid of what their family members or their parents, if they will accept me, will they accept me? Will I be accepted? Okay. I was never worried about that. Why? For one, the man, my husband, he never gave me the impression that his family was prejudiced or that they had anything against him being with a woman of color, okay, a Nigerian American like myself. He reassured me that his parents were very open-minded and then that was not an issue for them. He did, however, say that being that their family is from such a small town, very, very small town where everyone knows each other, that at least for, at least to some extent, he did know that there was going to be like some attention, like that people would talk, people would be like, oh, did you hear such and such is <laughs> getting married to this girl from America and she's black, you know, like he, <laughs> he, he did know to a certain extent that there was going to be a little bit of that whispering going around. But he didn't care. It didn't bother him. If anything, he was like, he felt kind of cool. He felt like, yo, I'm the man. Like, I got a girl to come all the way from America to be with me. <laughs> like, you know, it made him feel really good. Like, you know, that could be a major ego boost for a guy, you know, that this woman loves you so much and you impressed her so much that she decided to come be with you. And so... He didn't care about that. And if he didn't care, then who am I to sit there and start caring about that, right? So he, his family, very open, very loving. I've never had an issue with them. They've never, if anything, they've always been very curious. They want to know about Nigerian food. They want to know about the culture. They want to know about, you know, what it's like to, 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 to visit there, what, what's, what it's like to visit Nigeria, They've always been curious and always wanted to know things. And so I consider myself lucky in that regard because I know that that's not the reality for a lot of women out there. There are women who they may get involved with a, a man of a different race or even of a different culture. And that man may unfortunately be uh, part of a family that is that is not very welcoming, not very open-minded, not accepting. And what I would say, because I do know people who have been in these situations or even still in these situations, who even despite the disapproval of the husband's family, they still decided to go ahead with the relationship or go ahead with the marriage. What I would say is, you should still follow your heart. If if this man loves you enough and if he's willing to go against his family's wishes and marry you and be with you, and, and, and if he's willing to also defend you, then I would certainly still go ahead and be with this person if this is the man of your dreams. 
I do not believe in giving up on relationships simply because parents or siblings are not in support. Now, I know that for some people, they can't even fathom the idea of their parents not giving their their blessing. They can't fathom the idea of their, their brothers and sisters not being behind them. But I'm a little bit different in the sense that this is my life. I have to sleep next to this person. I have to live with this person. I'm going to be raising children with this person. I'm going to be paying a mortgage with this person, working a a job. I'm going to have to worry about, you know, the education of 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 our children, how we want to raise these kids, the 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 morals and what we want to instill in our family. What kind of legacy we want to have through our children. I cannot afford, I'm not going to hitch my entire future to the ignorance and bigotry of a few people in my family. I'm just not going to do that because they're not the ones that have to live in this life with this man and with these, with, with my family, with my future children. They are not the ones that are going to be dealing with the the, the, the day in and the day out challenges that naturally come with being a family and trying to, to manage everything that comes along with that in terms of the finances, okay? Making sure that the needs of the children are being met, making sure that your spouse's needs are being met, being emotionally, mentally, spiritually healthy and balanced so that you can be a healthy parent and a healthy partner to your significant other. None of those things have anything to do with what my mother or father thinks about the skin color or the culture of my significant other. Those thoughts and actions and feelings do not pay our bills. Okay. So that is the reason why for me personally, I have always thought that it was absolutely silly for people to throw away a perfectly good relationship with somebody simply because of what certain people around them think or don't think about their significant other. In my opinion, if you love your child, like I have a son now and I love my son unconditionally, unconditionally, Okay. And what does that mean? What does it mean to love someone unconditionally? What it means is that no matter what they do, no matter who they are, no matter what decisions they make in their life, nothing can ever take away from the love and support that you have for this child. You will always be there to love and support them, even when they do things that are wrong or are or you things that you don't approve of or things that you feel are not correct or whatever it doesn't matter it doesn't matter your child is an individual your child is a person they have their own individual wishes and dreams and aspirations and it's your job as a parent to support your child towards those dreams and aspirations and to find someone out there that truly loves them now don't get me wrong like if if i were in a situation where you know my husband was hurting me in some kind of way and there was some kind of you know clearly there th- this was a match that was unhealthy in some very blatant way, like as I said, an example being maybe some kind of abuse or some kind of like really unhealthy 
dynamic that's going on between the two of us, of course, that's different. That has nothing to do with the interracial or intercultural aspect of the relationship that has more to do with the interaction between us as two people. And of course, I would hope that my family members and friends would or would step in and say, hey, wait a minute, like, we don't think this is a good fit. We don't think this is a good match. But if it has nothing to do with that, if it is just strictly based on culture, race, and I would even throw into that even religion, which of course can get very controversial for some people. I personally still would be the person to pursue what's in my best interests, um, go for what I want. If I want to be with this person, if I love this person, I would still go for it. And I would not allow anybody to get in the way of that. So that's my opinion. And that was my approach in being with my husband. And luckily for me, I don't have any, I have a very diverse group of friends. And so when they met him, they were, <laughs> they were very open. They were very accepting. I'm, I have many friends that are in, in interracial and intercultural um, marriages as well. And so for them, it was perfectly normal that I would be with someone who's of a different background from myself. That was nothing new to them. And they were very accepting. They were very happy to meet him. They were very curious, you know, cause you know, They'd never met someone who, you know, flew all the way over to New York to be with his girlfriend. So they were very curious, asking lots of questions, like, what's it like dating an American, all living all the way in Germany? And how do you feel about it? And, you know, they were just really inquisitive and just really wanted to know. And so that for me was fun and it was great. It was a great experience. And I'm so glad that I had such supportive friends and such open and open-minded brothers and sisters as well. Very loving, very open. And so I never had any issues with that. So what are the, uh, what could possible pros and cons be? I've been asked this question before on pros and cons. Hmm. Let's start with the pros. So in my opinion, what I've gained in being with a man that is European, German, and coming to live in Germany, what I've gained as a Black Nigerian-American woman is I've gained a new perspective on life that I never knew anything about. Coming here, you know, the only perspective I'd had of white people was what I had experienced in the United States, which (laughs) if we're going based on that, you know, isn't always a good one. Although I, I, I do have white friends that are fantastic people. And of course they are the exception, but if we're kind of looking at it, the broad picture of sort of race relations within the United States, it's generally not a positive one between blacks and whites, at least not in the media. Okay. But again, like my experiences with white people on a one-to-one level have the majority of the time been positive in the United States. Okay. But unfortunately there are still far too often situations where racism is a really huge issue. Um, Prejudice, you know, whether it's in the workplace or in larger society or with the police, police brutality, police killing, people of color, et cetera. And so uh, I would definitely say that it's nice to have a different perspective of 
white people since coming to Germany, now being a part of a white family, since this is the family that I have the most interaction with because my Nigerian fam my Nigerian family is in the United States, so I don't see them on a regular basis. So the family that I have the most contact with is my German family here. And so it's very nice to have that perspective of what it's like to be part of a not only a white family, but to be part of a German white family, which being that I've never been part of a white American family, I can't speak to the specific differences that that exist. I just know it only from this perspective. I only know what it's like to be part of a white family from a German perspective. But what I can say is this. I definitely feel as though my race is less of an issue. It's more so the language and the culture that are different that I've had to like do the most adjusting to. I feel as though since moving here that people don't don't get me wrong, like people know that I'm black. I don't want to <laughs> I don't want people to think that I'm saying like, "Oh, it's colorblind." Like no one notices that I'm black. No, that's not true. <laughs> okay? People definitely know that I'm black, okay? That's still very much very very obvious, okay? But I I feel though here that people care more about the fact that I'm American more so the fact that I'm black, if you know what I mean. And if anything, people are actually more intrigued to know more about me because of the fact that I'm American. And then being black on top of that, to an extent, is also very interesting because for a lot of people in this region, they have not had the opportunity to have at least professional experience, because I work as a professional English trainer, they maybe have never had, you know, professional experience with a person of color. And then on top of that, being an American. So it it actually has this quite um, intriguing, really cool aspect to it, where it's very exciting for people to meet me. It's very exciting for them to come in contact with me and to get to know me and to experience what it's like to communicate with me and to find out what life has been like for me living in Germany as an American. And so that's one of the biggest pros is that I almost in some ways feel um like I'm I'm appreciated here in in a way that I wasn't necessarily appreciated in the United States and that has a lot to do with okay, location of course where I'm located. Maybe this wouldn't be the case if I was living in a larger city like, you know, Berlin, for example, where there's tons of foreigners, people from all around the world that are living there. But because I'm living in a region that is much more rural, my kind and, and my uh, background is much more exciting to people. And so people really do want to know me and people really do want to connect with me. So that's a big pro. And the same goes for my family here as well. As I mentioned earlier, they've always been very curious, very open. And if anything, they they just um, they're excited. They never expected <laughs> that they would have a German, uh, a Nigerian American uh, daughter-in-law, you know, or or um, sister-in-law. And I would say from the other side, from the other perspective, my parents have. I mean, they they love my husband. They think he's great. 
my sister is also in an interracial and intercultural marriage as well. So it's like pretty much normal in my family at this point to, for my parents' children to be in interracial relationships. My brothers have both dated, dated interracially, although they're not married yet. And so, yeah, there's, I can't really, there's been, I mean, as far as pros are concerned that there's been so many, I mean, both sides of the family have embraced one another there's been nothing but support and just nothing but love from both sides. Cons? Oh gosh, are there any cons? I can't really think of any cons being an interracial inter intercultural marriage cons. I honestly can't think of in my case I can't think of any. I honestly don't think that I would have been able to embrace it with as much excitement as I did and as I am if I felt that they were really any cons standing in my way. I guess living here in Germany, I miss, I would love to see my siblings more often. I'd love to, I, I have a niece now. It'd be nice if my niece could play with my son more often, you know, like it would be nice to have that kind of like um, the ability to see my family more on a more regular basis. But that's, you know, that comes with, of course, the decision to move and all that. So, but as far as like the, how, like the, the impact that an interracial intercultural marriage has had on me in terms of how I feel or how, how I interact in the, in this world that I'm living in right now, I really can't, think of any cons that exist and I'm being you know honest about that um I have heard some women say things you know when I look at different videos or listen to other podcasts I've heard women say things along the lines of um you know kind of going back to what I said earlier about not being accepted about uh, accepted or fully accepted by the families and I've heard women, oh yeah, I've oh, this is one, this is one that I've heard women talk about, w women and men, I should say, talk about the fact that their partner is not able to understand the Black experience. <laughs> okay. So now let's talk about that for a second. I, I guess that's one of the benefits that I have in now living in Europe where, or at least this part of Germany that I live in, where this idea of having to live in this racialized, highly tensioned environment where race is such a hot topic, where race is such a prevalent issue at the forefront of everything that we do, like in living in an environment where that's not the case, because that's definitely the case in the United States where race is, is consistently prevalent, consistently at the forefront of the interactions between different races. I'm fortunate enough to be in an environment where I don't feel that racialized tension anymore. I don't feel victimized as much anymore. I have never been in an environment where I felt like I was being attacked, whether it's in an overt or subtle manner based on my race. Okay. Now that's not, there are women that will attest to the fact that they have experienced that in Germany. So I'm not saying that it doesn't happen and that it's, 
non-existent. Okay. I want to be clear about that. But in my personal experience, I've never had that happen to me. And so as far as wanting my partner to understand the Black experience, look, the way I've seen it is no one is ever really going to know 100% about what it's like to be you, whether it's your, whether you're having these conversations with your, your sister, your best friend, your mother, your father, your boyfriend, husband that happens to be of the same race as you, no one is ever going to fully, fully, fully appreciate what you're going through except you, okay? And this idea that I need someone to partake in my struggle in order for me to be able to have a romantic relationship with them I've just never fully understood that. One of the downfalls that I find, this is you know, my personal opinion, one of the downfalls that I find in being in a relationship with somebody who understands your quote-unquote struggle is that sometimes that relationship can become this sort of powder keg, I think it's called, <laughs> where the two of you are just sort of igniting one another. And you're bringing, you're putting together your stories of trauma and pain, and you're just, you're just a echo chamber for one another. You're reaffirming what one another has gone through, and you're reaffirming one another's pain. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but the thing is, is that that may, that may sometimes not always be healthy. Because what happens is that, and I want to be careful here because I don't want to be misunderstood. There are things that happen in our society that, yes, are definitely racist. There's just no question about it that this particular interaction or this particular situation was a racist act. It's black and white. There's no debating that, okay? But then sometimes there are things that happen that are kind of in the gray area, right? But because you are with a partner that is the same race with you and you guys are, are sort of in the same quote unquote struggle together, that partner may lack the ability to have the perspective to be able to look at that particular situation from the other side and to say, now, wait a minute, I hear what you're saying. But have you considered that it could have actually meant this or that it could have actually meant that, that it might not have actually been a racist act or a racist gesture that was intended to offend, right? And it's almost like when you're with a person, and I'm speaking, let's let's um, be clear here, I'm speaking about, let's say if you're a person of color, Black person, and you're with another Black person, right? It's almost as if by default, you expect them to always take your side when something um, that has, has happened to you that you perceive to be racist. You automatically assume for them to jump in and say, yep, I know exactly what you're going through. I agree. It's definitely racist. It's definitely wrong. Fuck that person. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Whereas, as I said, it would be healthier to be in a relationship with someone that had a little bit of a broader perspective 
that could maybe look at that situation from a different angle and maybe dissect it a little bit further and help you come to the conclusion that in this particular scenario, it's possible the person was racist, but it's also possible that the person is just an asshole or some other was on a power trip or is a, is a, you know, the person has anger issues or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, And what I have found in my personal experience is that I am much more, for me, it's more important to be with a partner that can do both, that can both empathize with my struggles as a person of color, because most definitely, regardless of the race of the person that I'm with, this person must be able to sit down and listen to me when I'm talking about things that have affected me that are overtly racist and even subtly racist, okay? But at the same time, what I've always appreciated is being with a partner that can also say to me, you know what, Adam, I'm going to have to challenge you on that because based on what you've explained to me or based on how I see the situation, I don't necessarily think of it as being only racist. These are the other factors that I think may have contributed to this situation, okay? Or these are the other things that I know as being a person that's a member of this group, yeah, let's say it's a, you know, an interaction between, between myself and somebody who's white, you know, perhaps this white person <laughs> who happens to be a member of this group who knows his people probably a lot better than I do. Right. Um, he might be able to offer something to the perspe- to say something to that interaction that may shed some light and make me realize like, Oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. I hadn't thought about it from this perspective. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective, right? So that's my, so when women say things like that, like, oh, I want someone who understands my struggle, I have to really, I have to say that I, <laughs> I, I don't agree with that entirely. You shouldn't want to be in a relationship with, you know, that shouldn't be a determining or one of the biggest determining factors in the partner that you choose. You should want to choose a partner that can be able to offer balanced feedback to you, who's going to be honest with you and tell you when something in fact isn't racist, or even better yet, that's going to tell you, hey, perhaps you need to do some work on you because some of what you're telling me is, is yes, it, it, I, I can see why you're interpreting it as being racist, but your approach or your way that you're acting in these certain, in these situations, the way your temperament, your, your attitude in some of these scenarios didn't help the situation. Perhaps the way you reacted actually helped to escalate the situation in a way that you're now um, perceiving as being racist when in fact, had you reacted in a different way, maybe the situation wouldn't have gotten out of hand. Like I need someone that's going to pull me back and let me know when I'm out of pocket, when I'm, you know, when I'm, when I'm really stepping outside of what's appropriate behavior and somehow bringing certain problems to myself that were never there to begin with. And so it's, I can give an example, actually. I know of a woman, I won't say who these people are. She's married to a Black man. And the two of them, her husband is very active in the, let's say, in the 
social activist, Black activist movement, let's say. He's very active in that environment. And she as well, you know, the two of them, and they're African-Americans. And um, they're they're semi-prominent. I wouldn't say they're super famous or anything, but they're semi-prominent. And I remember there was a YouTube video that surfaced that showed this woman being pulled over by the police. And this was not too long after all of the different things that had been going on in 2020, 2021 with police brutality against people of color. And uh, in this particular interaction, the police officer, he, uh, you could clearly hear the interaction between the two of them because he had his his audio uh, I believe he also had his camera on as well, but in this particular video, it was just the audio that was heard. Um, you could hear the whole exchange between him and the woman that he had pulled over. And her daughter was in the car with her. And he and and funny enough, like the way the police officer approached, he said, Good morning, and how you doing today? It looks like you're in a hurry. And this woman, like she immediately just starts freaking out. Like she starts crying. She starts yelling. She's like, why are you pulling me over? And he, and he, this, the police officer stayed very calm. He didn't yell back at her. He just maintained his composure. He said, ma'am, are you experiencing a medical episode? Do you need me to call an ambulance? She's like, no, I don't need an ambulance. And you need to tell me, you know, you police officers are always targeting black people and blah, blah. And he politely let her know that this really had nothing to do with her being black, that this was a school zone and that she had been speeding in the school zone. And when she said something to the effect of, oh, I'm going to call my husband, I'm going to call the school board, I'm friends with the people in the school board, and you're being racist, and you're attacking me, and I'm scared of you because so many of you have killed black people. And just going on and on and screaming and crying. And I just, what I can't emphasize enough is just how calm the police officer remained through all of this. Like he never raised his voice. He was in a position at that point where he could have further escalated the situation and gotten very angry and very loud because he, I remember he had asked her a few times to produce her license and registration and she was just just went on and on and was wailing and screaming and crying and wasn't really complying with his request and I just thought and and she just kept going on and on about how cops are racist and how cops kill black people and this and that now look I'm not gonna say that the reason why she was reacting this way is because she's married to a (laughs) Black man who just happens to be a social activist on behalf of Black people. I'm not going to say that that's a direct contribution to why this woman acted this way. But I will say that I wonder to what extent that energy within their home, with race being such a an electric topic between them, right? Something that's constantly being talked about, constantly being emphasized, and rightfully so, right? But there comes a point where the emphasis 
gets to the point where it almost sort of begins to taint otherwise innocent interactions between Black people and police or between Black people and other white people in society. It becomes sort of sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy where you almost always expect the worst to come out of a situation simply because of what you've 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 been playing over and over and over in your mind and you just constantly have these conversations with your husband or your wife at home about race because it's at the forefront of your lives it's at the forefront of your work it's at the forefront of everything that has to do with your identity and your existence and it, this interaction between this woman and the police officer really kind of bothered me because i said to myself look like you know, this police officer is not being aggressive. You know, he wasn't, he didn't uh, ask her to get out of the car. He did not grab her. He did not try to arrest her. He did not do anything to her. He just kept his composure and was just politely asking her. He even offered to get her medical assistance several times, said, ma'am, I'm really worried about you. You seem to be hyperventilating. And like her response was like, no, I do not, you know, like really snapping back at him. And so those are the types of things that I worry about when it comes to the so-called is my significant other going to be able to relate to my Black experiences. There are downsides to having a partner that relates to your Black experience because sometimes it becomes a situation where the two of you have ramped yourselves up so much that you know you can't see certain situations for what they are you it, it perverts the way in which you interact in normal society with normal people because you're so used to seeing the abnormal extreme situations of interactions between black and white people you know whether it's police officers and black people or people that you interact with in the store, at the mall, okay, on the street, in the parking lot. We're so inundated with the images, the Karen scenarios, for example, right? We're so inundated with that imagery that it cements itself in our minds and it makes us believe that this is what the reality of interacting as with other people as a person of color in American society. Now, are there is the possibility that you could be in a relationship with somebody who understands the black experience that does not rise to the level of toxicity where the two of you are sort of like manifesting um negative things into your negative interactions or negative things into your life that begin to become self-fulfilling prophecies in the sense that you um you know your whole your whole what 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 binds what what bonds the two of you together are these episodes of suffering, right? Like there are relationships that are very um, healthy where the two people of color are able to once in a while have these conversations, but it's not at the forefront of their daily sort of conversations or their daily um, connection and what they speak about when they talk about their day or what they did today or how was work or how was school or whatever. So, you know, that there, I, I want to be clear that that's not always the case, but I just wanted to offer that as an example, because I think it's important to be with a partner that can 
<laughs> sort of pull you back and be like, hun, <laughs> like, no, <laughs> you know, um, being, I can say for myself, being married to a man that is white, being married to a man that is German has definitely shown me a different perspective on the way life can be seen, right? He has helped me appreciate that, you know, yes, racism exists, but there are many different ways to view human interactions that are not just purely racial. I have definitely come to realize that more often than not, more often, <laughs> much, 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 much more often than not, someone is just an asshole. Someone is just flat out an asshole. It has nothing to do with you, has everything to do with them. So I've come to that realization slowly in, in being with him and that it's, I've, I've in kind of leaving the United States and leaving that highly charged, racialized, sensitive environment and being more of an environment where things are more calm. I've just kind of come to understand things, come to view things, come to understand things a lot differently. So let's see, hair. <laughs> That's a big one. I get, I've gotten that question a lot from friends and family members of mine. Hair, how do you, how do you, you know, and I've heard black women say this, you know, I don't want to be with a, a man that's, um, that's, that's, that's not black or a white man. Cause I don't want to explain my hair. I don't want to explain my hair to him. I just want him to just get it. I just want him to automatically know that I wear extensions or, you know, not be confused or whatever. Okay. So <laughs> again, going back to <laughs> the point I made earlier with regards to family opinions, I am not going to hitch my entire future, my possibility of getting married, my possibility of having children, my possibility of having a fulfilling partnership with a man that I love and that loves me on the back of the issue of hair. <laughs> Okay, especially if it is not an issue for the man. My husband does not care about my hair. Okay, yes, when we first met, I was wearing wigs and weaves. Okay, and he had no idea that I was wearing wigs and weaves because he didn't care. All right, he just did not care. He never asked questions. He just, he didn't care. And of course, at some point, you know, I did show him my natural hair and he was like, okay, all right. And, you know, I would tell him little things like, oh, you know, I, sometimes I let my hair grow natural. Sometimes I, you know, put relaxer in it. And sometimes I like to braid it. Sometimes I like to wear you know, wigs. Sometimes I like to wear extensions. And he was like, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, once in a while he might be like, oh, how do you, I think one time he was curious to know how do I 
I put the wigs on, you know, because like I used to make it look very realistic in the front, like really like kind of slick my edges down and stuff. And he was very impressed with the technique. And, you know, he's asked about that. He's asked about braids and stuff. He really likes when I do braids or crochet and stuff. He's like, he's actually very impressed because I do crochets myself on myself. And he's loved it. He's like, wow, you did that all by yourself. Like, that's cool. Like, you know, I like that style. You know, he's always complimented it. Always been very positive about it. And I was actually the one that was much more shy and embarrassed to show my real hair because I have really short, I don't have much edges. I'm one of those people that has really scanty, (laughs) really thin, like not so nice edges. And I was the one that was shy about showing him my real hair. I was embarrassed. I was like, oh, he's not going to love me anymore. And that just wasn't the case. Like, he just he just didn't care. Like, he's like, You're, I, I married you, not your hair. Like, I'm in love with you, not your hair. So I didn't have to explain myself to him. And even if I did, it was a one-time thing. And I never it never came up again. It was like this is what I do to my hair. This is, and sometimes he'll watch. Sometimes he'll just stand there and just watch and just be like intrigued. Other times he'll be like, all right. And he'll just go make a sandwich or something. (laughs) Like he just didn't care. Okay. So I just want women out there to understand that that insecurity about your hair, that is your insecurity. You need to own that and you need to deal with that. Do not put that on the man. Do not put that on him. Okay. Most black men, to be honest, even if they know you're wearing a wig, they don't really, I mean, some of them might know the intricacies of like how you slay the wig, how you lay the edges, how you do this and that. But a lot of them, I mean, they're still men, like they're not particularly interested in this stuff. They don't really know how it works. A lot of them don't even really care. The only thing they care about is that your hair looks nice. Okay. Your hair looks put together. All right. When you leave the house, you look nice. That's it. Most men are really not all that interested in the details of what you do to your hair, how you do it. They they just, you know, if it looks good, it looks good. And so that's not, in my opinion, that's, that should not be a deterrent. If the man doesn't care, you shouldn't care. That is the insecurity on your part, not his. So don't put that on the man and say, oh, I don't want to have to explain myself. I want to be with somebody that just gets it. Look, (laughs) like I said, there's too much at stake here. We're talking about you being able to have a family for crying out loud, you being able to uh, build a future with someone and we're stuck on hair. Nah, that's, in my opinion, if you're one of those women, if that's a reason why you're stopping yourself from being with someone of a different race, I think you got to just let that go. If it's not an issue for him. It shouldn't be an issue for you. And so my last point I wanted to talk about is I, I've gotten this question before from women and it has to do with like, do I think that, you know, what is my uh, so, sort of like, what's my overall impression of interracial relationships in terms of like, If I had to do it all over again, would I still choose to be in one? And the answer is, of course, yes. Like I being 
the, the, um, sort of the 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 vision of what it could be like and and the and the the reality of what it is are basically the same. Like I had very good expectations coming into this relationship, and it's been a really, really great and healthy, wonderful marriage thus far. And we interracial relationships are really not all that different from any other relationship, I should say. You are two people coming together. The two of you have different ways of doing things. You have different habits. He likes to leave his socks on the floor. You like to put your socks in the clothing basket, right? You have different styles of communicating. A lot of that has to do with gender more so than than really race, you know? Maybe even to some extent, I'm being an American, I'm a lot more talkative, I'm a lot more expressive. Maybe that's being a woman as well, who knows? But whereas, you know, my husband being German, he's a little bit more reserved. They're not as much of a talkative, talkative people. And so that's been a difference as well. But but again, you could you could also have those differences among people who are from the same culture as well. So I would say that in the world that we live in today, maybe because of like the exposure to to travel, social media, the access to information, there's a lot more similarities, I would say, these days between Western European culture and American culture, more there's more similarities, I would say, these days than there are stark differences. There still are like cultural things, of course, that they do here in my region that are, you know, different from what we do in the United States. But none of those things are things that are of, of any of, of any significance, I would say. If anything, it enriches my life because I get the opportunity to, to partake in these cultural things that I never knew anything about. I get to learn about the history of these cultural festivals and cultural celebrations. I get to partake in them. I get to celebrate with them. And so it it does nothing but add to my life rather than take something away from it. And one other thing I want to talk about, because I've gotten this this, this question as well, as far as what what impact this will all have as far as like how I raise my son, because there's always that concern. And I've seen this point brought up many times about losing, quote unquote, the Nigerian, (laughs) losing your Nigerian culture, right? You marry a man from a different background, or you marry a woman from another background or culture, race, whatever. And you're worried about losing what you have, right? Now, let me just say this. When, first of all, again, (laughs) I'm not going to, I'm not going to attach my entire future to something like that because it's the, the risks. Look, I, there are not very many people on this planet that you are going to connect with and that you are going to find an understand, mutual connection and understanding with. Okay. I think that it is a waste of your personal time and energy to be more worried about where your Nigerian culture is flowing to next than to be more concerned about finding a healthy partner that you can build a lifelong partnership with, okay? 
when your parents made the decision to come to the United States, they left Nigeria behind and they came to the United States. There should have been this understanding or sort of maybe even expectation at some point that if their children and children's children decide to remain in the United States, okay, at some point, someone down the line is going to get married to someone that is not Nigerian or Nigerian American. It is rather silly to think that you're going to move to another country where you are not the dominant race, you are not the dominant social group, okay? And you expect that, you know, within this very, very, very small pond of people that your that's where your legacy is going to remain. They're not going to expand. They're not going to connect with people of other backgrounds in this melting pot that's called the United States. The same goes for Europe. I mean, it's absolutely absurd that you move to a country like Germany or Ireland or the UK or France and you expect your child who goes to school with all of these kids from this background, from this cultural background, that they're not going to find commonality with these children, that they're not going to at some point in the future maybe even find love with these people. It's very disingenuous. I think it's very unfair for parents to put that pressure on their kids. And it's very unfair for the kids to put that pressure on themselves to feel that it's their responsibility to continue the quote unquote Nigerian bloodline. Okay. That's not, in my opinion, that should not be your focus. Your focus should be on finding the best person for the job, finding the best person to be your husband, finding the best person to be your wife, okay? Because let's not forget that Nigerians get divorced too. There's a lot of Nigerian people that are married that are very unhappy. So be being with a Nigerian does not guarantee that the two of you are going to have a happily ever after relationship. And even if the two of you, okay, let's say you guys do get married and you are very happy together. You, you raise a family successfully together. You have, you have little cute Nigerian American children together. Okay. But then your children are going to grow up and what guarantees do you have that your children aren't going to marry out with each passing generation, the likelihood that your children or children's children are going to marry within the culture is significantly going to diminish. And so I think it's very, I, I, I think it doesn't serve um, Nigerian American children like myself, children of Nigerian immigrants. It doesn't serve you to put that kind of pressure on yourself. There are no guarantees. You need to just find the right person that's right for you. And as far as my son is half Nigerian, half uh, German. And as far as how we're raising him, that's between myself and my husband. I, it's, always, <laughs> it's always very funny to me when people ask those questions like, oh, so are you going to raise him, you know, 
black and are you going to, are you going to raise him white or are you going to, you know, what are you going to tell him? Or, you know, what are you going to, that is none of your business. <laughs> That's none of your business. Like that is a personal decision between the family, how they plan to raise their child, how they plan to educate their child about their background. What I will say is that we're personally, I'm going to be very transparent with him. We're not going to hide anything from him. He's going to know everything about both sides of his of his family. He's going to be very much in close touch and in close contact with all, and I mean all of his family members. And so he will not be denied anything. There will be nothing that will be withheld from him. And so I think it's important to make that clear because sometimes people have this sort of, they get the wrong impression. They get this idea that somehow you're you're going to erase yourself. Like your the Nigerianness is just gonna go away. And that's pride, that's ego, I would say. That that's that's pride and that's ego speaking, because there's this idea that that not that is the how should I say? There's this like um Nigerians are very proud, right? They're very, very proud people, and they see the passing on of the Nigerian culture as the most important thing that you can give to your, to your child or give to your offspring. Yeah. And so, um, when you somehow don't do that, or that's somehow missed in some kind of way, it's almost seen as like a huge shame, like, or you're selling out. That's, that's the word I'm looking for. The same in the, it's same, it's the same thing with the black American community. They look at you as like a sellout, like you sold out, like, you know, you are trying to erase his or her blackness. Right. And again, that, in my opinion, that's very, very toxic speech. It is none of your business how someone is raised or how someone chooses to see the world once they become an adult. Um, You should not be shaming the person. Instead, you should be embracing them and trying to understand them, trying to get to know them. And so I I don't get involved in conversations or debates about that because I just don't feel that it's anyone's business as to how you choose to um, bring up your children, how you choose to raise your children. I just think the most important thing is that the child is brought up in a loving, caring environment where both sides of the family love and respect one another. That's the most important thing. Neither side of the family wants to dominate the other side or to take over the other side or to claim this child for themselves. I think that is very unhealthy. I think that the parents have to pour their love, pour their energy into bringing this child up in a healthy environment where they can love themselves despite what they look like, despite what society says about them. Because we as Black people, I think we we put a lot of emphasis on, you know, not wanting to be to be judged in these ways. And yet in some ways, I think we are the ones actually sometimes doing that judging to one another when it comes to race and when it comes to interracial situations. We we we're, we tend to put a whole lot more um, emphasis on, on judgment in, in that space. And I think that, uh, I think that doesn't really help. I think that's not really necessary. And so 
yeah, so that's why that's my opinion on interracial and intercultural marriage as a black woman. I'm very curious to know what you might think about this. Are you in an interracial or intercultural marriage or relationship? How has it been for you? What would you say are the pros and cons of your particular relationship? And how has your family reacted to your significant other? Are there aspects of your relationship that you feel um, are different as a result of the two of you being in an interracial and intercultural marriage? Or have you just, or is it just like any other relationship that you've been in? It's just you being with another man or being with another woman. It's really not all that different at all. So I'm really um, curious to hear your comments and your opinions on this topic and what you may have agreed with me on or what you disagreed with me on. I'm curious about that as well. But yeah, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. And feel free to connect with me on Instagram at Candles and Shadows and also by email if you'd like, Candles and Shadows podcast at gmail.com. I look forward to getting your feedback on this episode. And if you have any questions that I maybe didn't cover, in this episode, things that you kind of thought of that you're like, oh, I really would like to know Adaz's perspective on this. Um, shoot me a comment or a DM on Instagram. Email me, let me know, and I'd be happy to address those questions in a part two if it comes to that. If people have, if there's enough feedback on this episode, and I really feel that it warrants a part two. I will definitely do so and incorporate your questions into that. So thank you so much for being here today. And I look forward to seeing you again on my next episode. So until then, take care of yourself and bye.